Everything you know about health is about to change. Welcome to Straight Talk on Health with Dr. Vincent Medici. Sometimes people suffer, not from lack of faith, but from lack of knowledge. This is the show that changes that. If you are tired of being sick, tired of not getting answers, tired of spinning in circles, for healing is not a mystery. It is a miracle that you were designed to experience. It takes hard work and real knowledge. It takes patience and time. It takes the education this show can provide. So get it straight today. Here's Dr. Medici. Good morning. I'm Dr. Vincent Medici. As you well know, this is my favorite half an hour each week. Welcome to the show. I have the cure for COVID. Complete and total. If you can just embrace it. Watch Gary Cooper movies. Now, I'm not kidding. Gary Cooper. If you're under 50 listening to this show, you probably don't even know who Gary Cooper is. Perhaps no matter who you are, you don't know who Gary Cooper is. Yeah, Gary Cooper, the movie star. One of the handsomest male actors, male that the cinema has ever seen. Gary Cooper. Really, it's the symbol of Gary Cooper. Really, if you watch Gary Cooper, and if you haven't, get on YouTube, put in Gary Cooper movies, and get to work. 1930s, the pre-code era. Those mysterious, godly black and whites. Back in the day, when men were men, women were women, we knew who we were, we knew what we'd fight for, and we didn't take too much for granted. Yeah, now you see where I'm going. Because it doesn't appear that we've remembered what we once lived by. So there's an easy way to do this. Watch Gary Cooper movies. That's what I do. And you sleep better. And your dreams are nicer. And somehow you feel your body filled with an optimism you didn't have before you sat down. Do it. Every night, watch Gary Cooper movies. And look at those sets. The sets that the pre-code... Now, pre-code, if you don't know, was a phase in American cinema between 1929 and 1934. I think... Personally, as do many, it was probably the five best cinematic years in film history. There was a freedom. There was a natural morality. There was a natural sensuality. And the writing was supreme. No, it's not just old, foggy stuff that's antiquated. No, it's the other way around. It's America coming into its golden age. So these pre-code films launched many a superstar. Even John Wayne goes back to pre-code. Cary Grant, although not American. John Wayne, Joel McRae, Humphrey Bogart. I've watched Bogart, 1931 films. All those superstars of yesteryear 
the ones that were on the top of the list back in the day when you had m true movie stars. In the pre-code era, they represented something. If you watch the movies, there's a tone. There's a vibration that shoots off the screen, captures the imagination, sends you to a fine place. It's like every film, no matter what the script, it's the same Garden of Eden. Truly, I suggest you watch these films and compare and contrast it with the way you feel today. Now, of everyone that Hollywood put forth as star, Gary Cooper reigned supreme. Some say Clark Gable, yeah, Gable was the king and he had his own amazing charisma. He had his own beautiful form of Americanism. But Gary Cooper, no one competes with him as the American hero cowboy. He was a natural writer. He was the son of a judge. Grew up in Montana. Born in 1901. He understood nature. He understood the farm. He understood horses. He was the perfect pick. And when you look at him, and I've got a whole bunch of his pictures on my website today. So get to straighttalk.cc when you can and look at Gary Cooper. Arguably, perhaps not arguably, the handsomest man in American film. And look at him and remember that we took him, this perfect blend of everything you call American. We took him and we made him a movie star. He made him a movie star. And he filled the role so well. The old American West... The relationship between the cowboy and nature. And yes, yes, you can look at all the downsides to that, you know, as people do. The dwindling influence of the American Indian and so on and so forth. Or you can choose to look at the upside. Should we define the content of a person's character or that of a nation, a society, by their sins or in the balance of trade by their attributes. Really, what is the wisdom in choosing one over the other? Do you want to see that the glass is half full and make it fuller or just stamp your feet because the glass is half empty until the glass cracks? Think about that in the context of Gary Cooper films. Because if you see the glass is half full, you see a man and a message from the cinematic experience that beckons or that advises one to have respect for everyone and everything. And so looking at it that way, you begin to drift in union with nature into the Garden of Eden, and that's the mystique of the film and the mystique of the man. We chose him because he really was like that. And if you study him, as I have over the years, 
you know that to be true underneath the gossip. But I bring this up today because if you watch these types of films, there was an allegiance and a pride in country. There was a respect for individuality. And there was a heralding, there was a suggestion that society was better when it understood its place in nature. Thus the Western. Cowboys understood nature. Cowboys, well, you couldn't tell them what to do. Cowboys wouldn't back down. Cowboys were people who you could build a nation on. A nation of free-thinking, independent spirits that evolved a natural morality, not one dictated by our governors, by our politicians, but that gave their allegiance to a natural code that evolved out of nature. And this is the whole mystique of the cowboy. Is it any coincidence that his closest friend, or at least one, was none other than Ernest Hemingway? to date one of the nation's, if not the world's most prolific writers, and a love affair of nature he had. Now look at this COVID experience. Look at everything that goes with it. Look at a virus that's not even a virus, that's a bully, that only attacks the old and weak. And a nation cowering to it. A nation making choices to live under a rock at the advice of politicians who don't have our best interests at stake, who are bought perhaps by forces that want our democracy to schism. This was not the generation of Gary Cooper. And I find it very compelling that Central to these films, central to Cooper, and watch his films and see, are these sets. The films are done on these sets in nature, ironically in California, largely in California. And the sets are stunning. Go watch a film tonight, The Texan, 1930, Gary Cooper and Fay Ray. Fay Ray that's a whole other story. That was cinema's expression of the perfect woman, the perfect American hero as a female heroine. Teamed up with Gary Cooper, our male version, in a film in 1930 called The Texan. Watch that film. It's an hour and 15 minutes. You will sleep well. But I call your attention to the set. The sets. I remember as a little boy growing up in New York, getting up as regularly as I could at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, much to the consternation of my parents, risking punishment, perhaps a beating because of course you didn't want your son up at 3 a.m. on a Sunday night with his ear clued to a TV set ear glued 
to keep the volume so low it wouldn't wake up a mother or a father that were certainly going to wake up anyway. And I grew up gluing my ear to the TV to hear the words, absolutely mesmerized by, again, the sets. Those sets were the old Hollywood film sets. Sets and locations. And the locations, they're even still there today out there in the deserts, in the mountains. And they're beautiful. They are brimming with life, with nature. And it seems, and this is again my point, that the cinematic experience and the energy of Gary Cooper and the energy of Fay Ray and the energy of the set and the energy of the nature off the location are all one. And the themes are all one. And they all point to greatness. They all are, are expressions of our greatness. They are and were and will always be at the roots of our greatness. But as a scientist, I have this thing about nature. You know, nature... Like what kind of nature? Like the kind of nature you can experience watching those pre-code films and just letting your imagination run free. There was an energetics. There was a Garden of Eden-like feel to California 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. The Texan is a 1930 film. That's 90 years ago. Less than one century ago, if you were in California, it was the Garden of Eden. Well, just trolley on down to downtown L.A. today and go up to San Francisco and ask yourself, should we be so surprised at the state we're in? Hmm? Then ask yourself, how could people not make a connection between this virus and the excrement we have decided to call city life? Even our attitudes reflect this. Just listen to the experts. Just trust our thieving politicians. How could we have done this? And even our response, it's all going to go away. How could we even think that? Have we become so weak that we can't face the truth? Because that's not what Gary Cooper films were about. That's not what America was about. And this is 1930. If you go back to our founding fathers, of course, you find quotes, and I put one on the website, Benjamin Franklin. He who would trade liberty for some temporary security deserves neither liberty nor security. That's right. Take your unemployment check. Take your PPP. Take all the temporary securities. And then reread that quote by Franklin. He who would trade liberty for some temporary security 
deserves neither liberty nor security. Benjamin Franklin. Is he so old? Are we so in love with our tech? Are we so modernized? Are our politicians so wise that we can't truly respect a quote like that, a prophetic message to us today, some 250 years later? I think we should start thinking in these terms. Now let's leap to the science. Here's a little science for everybody. A virus is not to be understood biochemically. That means there is anatomy, there's physiology, there's biochemistry, there's molecular biology, and as you get more and more up the ladder of understanding, you end up in the biophysical plane, meaning electromagnetics, commonly mistaken for witchcraft, the occult, howdy doody, hippie talk, and all sorts of things. It is not. Electromagnetics is really the science of physics applied to living organisms from one cell to homo sapien. You're talking about biophysics. We are biophysical beings. Viruses are biophysical beings. And you have to understand a virus biophysically. You know what that means? That means when you grow up like Gary Cooper, you're going to be way more immune. That means when you start to get a taste of what the pre-code era exuded from the screen, exuded from, yes, the boob tube, had so much of that even through the wires and computer chips of a TV set or an LCD still affect you in your gut, still have the power to put you into fantasy land. That's an electromagnetic experience. Cinema, at its best, integrated into nature, is an electromagnetic experience. We call it art. Art. Art that is desperately trying to survive today. Art that's in lockdown. Art that will no doubt rise again. You cannot stop art, but it all attests to the vital significance of the human organism to live electromagnetically, without which we decay. Now, you can translate that into chemistry if you want. You hear me do this each week. And we can talk about dysfunctional immune systems and how all sorts of chemicals compete with immune system cells so that the immune system cells can't find the viruses and this and that and the other thing. But in the end, it's superfluous. There are too many chemical equations to isolate. There are too many interrelationships to be even attempted to understand in a particulate way. This is why the concept of vaccines is so stupid. Why? Because if this were a dangerous virus and there was a vaccine that could save life, that it wouldn't be the thing to do? Of course not. 
That's an argument for a vaccine. But there's very little argument for a mandatory call for vaccinations to a virus that will only afflict a tiny percentage of the population. I don't even want to go there. I simply want to say understanding how the human organism is designed to protect itself from viruses with one vaccine, two vaccines, three vaccines, 20 vaccines, 30, 40, that the way we think of, as Dr. Burks has so ignorantly stated, the way we think of herd immunity is only in the context of vaccines instead of living like Gary Cooper. In union with nature. And in that resonance with real nature, and I'm not talking about a walk in the Elisa Viejo Park or a stroll through some garden in Malibu. I'm talking about the real vortexes of nature, what we're doing a wonderful job of destroying. I'm talking about consistent discourse with the vortexes of nature, where there really is nature. Or where there's not, we better start thinking about putting it back there. Because the vibrational state of the human organism integrated into the vortexes of nature, the real expressions of it, defines your protection from viruses like COVID. Stated otherwise, we keep destroying our ecosystem. There is no ecosystem in Southern California. Laguna, Corona del Mar, Anaheim, I don't care where you go. They're not here anymore. This is, of course, one of the reasons why we're seeing a mass exodus. Now, just trust me, I'm being prophetic. Really, what's happening is those who can are returning to Eden. Because urban life is filthy. It's not sustainable. And yes, 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 we can talk about this on other levels, you see, societal, historical, and the rest of it. But no, there are things that control us that are much deeper than sociology. Vibrationally speaking, urban life is dead. Vibrationally speaking, suburban life is dead. Vibrationally speaking, our hope is to return to a worthy life with respect to nature. No, no, this ain't hippie hour. I'm telling you something as a doctor. What I'm telling you is, is if you want to understand immunity, understand there's not any immunity to anything in the city experience anymore. You're going to have to work real hard if you're not ready to move. And most of us are. Most of us are moving. That's right. Study the demographics. Go ahead, do it. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Real estate values in the countryside, the suburbs, they're changing. It's not just New York. It's everywhere. It's not just New York and L.A. It's everywhere. Most fundamentally, the human organism cannot sustain life without ecosystem. Now, in the meantime, the case I make for you is to simply respect 
the vortexes of nature. Take the time, even if it's once a month, to get into the deserts. To go into the places where you can see rainbows every day. To go up into the forests, the clean forests, the forests of Yellowstone, the forests of Olympic State. Take the time. You have the time. You say you don't. You do. Three days is nothing. When people get sick, you take a week off to take care of them. Take a few days off for yourself. Let the green, verdant fertility of what remains seep into your bones. You'll tell me I'm right. That's where your health is. Those of you with yards, convert them. Those of you with homes, with gardens, make them bigger. Put more time in them. Those of you near the ocean, get in it. And collectively start demanding from those who appear to be the experts permission. Get on your knees, genuflect, and beg for permission to allow to be human against lockdowns and curfews and the rest of it. And if you can't do anything, if you're non-ambulatory and just sitting in a bed in the last year or two of your life, I am sorry. Truly, I'm sorry. You have to see this. So tonight, just turn the TV on and put on Gary Cooper. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Okay, that's a wrap. Don't forget to get to Dr. Medici's website at drmedici.com to look at the pictures and review the show as often as you wish. See you next week. Okay, part two. All right, I tried. I hope that made some sense to you, even if you don't know who Gary Cooper is. But you should. And you should understand that viruses are just strings of DNA or RNA. And that to understand them biochemically is absurd. That's what we're doing with the vaccine. Their electromagnetic nature, that they will be born out of low electromagnetic resonances. When I say low, a fly is low. A cockroach is low. In the Garden of Eden, we had neither. Just common sense. But again, science has convinced us that there's no place for common sense. So consider what common sense is there by deciding that the way to protect yourself from potentially dangerous organisms is to vaccinate yourself against every single one of them. You don't win these chess games with microbes. The microbe will defeat you. Where's the science in that? Why are we so disrespectful to what common sense makes clearly obvious? You can't play genetic chess with viruses. They change their sequences faster than we'll ever keep up with. So there, so what's so complicated? Now when you watch these films... They're filled with respect for this. It's another way of saying respect for nature. I don't really think we know what that means. It means a lot more than donating to your favorite cause. It could mean using, accessing, accessing, 
mastering, living by craft. Living by craft. Like, have you ever slept in a yurt? A tent? Do you know the difference between cotton and wool? Do you know the difference between the grades of wood? Do you know there's a way to waterproof your home using wood? Wood without anything but wood. There's so much. There are arts. Watch a film called The Witness. It's an old film in 1980 with Harrison Ford and Danny Glover. You know, the thing that's interesting about film is people don't know this. When scripts are written, thousands, even hundreds and thousands of dollars are given to historical research. So you see, for as much as it's natural in art to embellish, a ton of money is paid out to historians for research. So you pay top dollar, if you can afford to, to make sure that certain parts of the data that go into the script are 100% accurate. And in Witness, with Harrison Ford and Danny Glover back in 1980, Ford, of course, plays the good guy, good guy, and Danny Glover in this flick is the bad guy, or one of the bad guys. But the point is, it the setting is the Dutch Amish, the Pennsylvania Dutch Amish. And if you watch Alexander Gudnov, who was a very well-known uh, ballet dude, you know, Barishnikov, Nureyev, Ballerino, you can't say ballerina, right? So whatever. Goodenough plays a Dutch, Pennsylvania Dutch Amish male, and they're they're putting up a house, a wood structure, and you watch the craftsmanship that these guys possess. It's astounding. It is a lost art. And what's being missed is that in relationship to the source, which is to the earth, which is to nature, the tree. How to take trees and build homes out of them. It's filled with God. So you could say there's a resonance to life in relationship to nature, which is your protection to COVID. See? You just have to understand the DNA. You have to understand it as a crystal. Then you have to understand what mediates the earth to the DNA. The mediator between the two is the nervous system, which has to be balanced, which nature works towards. Now, you want the perfect storm? You want the perfect storm in the sense of how to raise a society susceptible to something as weak and pathetic as COVID, you got it. You got it. New York City, you got it. Urban life in the world. Filled with it. When I say protection from COVID, I'm not talking about the urban experience. I'm not talking about concrete. I'm not talking about steel. I'm not talking about rhubarb. I'm not talking about all sorts of plastics. I'm not talking about all sorts of things. 
which we can understand biochemically, but that does not do us justice. Again, if one were to say, what's wrong with plastic? What's wrong with concrete? What's wrong with living insulated inside a Faraday cage in an apartment building, in an office building? What's wrong with having only indoor air domed off, circulating rather than windows open in your average office building? What's wrong with that? Show us, you may say. Show me, you may say. The chemistry behind this, this is what's half-cocked, ignorant, disrespectful, and outright stupid. Because for many of these things, they can't be shown biochemically, and we don't have precise biomechanical technology, biophysical technology, I mean. So we're left with something as archaic, neatholic, and simple as how we feel. How we feel when we wear synthetic clothes, how we feel when we eat out of plastic, how we feel when the homes we're in are made of synthetic materials. We're left with how we feel. We're left with how we feel when we go out into environments that are not like that, and then we simply say, oh, well, of course, tell me something I don't know. I'm out in nature. Of course I feel better in nature. <laughs> you see? And then we wonder why we're sick. So maybe we take the logic to first base, and then we drop it there. First time we see a sick and dead person to COVID, we run under a rock and pray for guys like Fauci to come and really tell us why. So we really don't understand. Go find the rainbow. Go up to Carmel. Go to Monterey. Go to Santa Cruz. Go to Sebastopol, where the lightning's striking, and it's considered so bad. Yeah, fire is a side. And if they're natural, then that's what nature does. Fires make fertile land. And, of course, whether fires are on the rise or fires are on the, on the mend, if those fires are part of nature's cycle, then they're part of nature's cycle. You have to look at it that way. Because if you do, then you can respect nature but dance with nature. You take any ecosystem, you take anyone anywhere that has anything to do with nature. I watched a wonderful documentary the other day about a woman who literally rides sharks. She pets sharks. The documentary shows the woman surrounded by dozens of sharks, and some of the sharks are resting at her knee, and she's petting them. I kid you not. Do you know what the woman does? She takes the hooks out of the mouth of sharks, and the sharks love her. And she, in the documentary, is literally riding on the back of a large shark. It is mesmerizing. Then, of course, there's Nazar in Portugal, where those crazy nutty surfers, strapped into their board, 
are riding 80 foot, 200 foot waves. That means you're being propelled down the front of a wave at 50 or 60 miles an hour, hoping to beat the wave. You talk to people like this, they have deep, deep, deep respect for nature. That means they want to get in there with it, but they follow the rules. They feel how little they are and how big nature is. And of course, that interface is where all the mystery is. That's electromagnetics. That's what you have to do. You have to do this. You have to integrate it into your life. Once a day, twice a day, once a week, twice a week, all week. You got to start. You got to start somewhere. Now, we had a nation at one time that was doing this by definition, and it produced the cinematic experience of pre-code, and it produced superstars like Gary Cooper, Fay Ray. They're the great American heroes in early budding cinema, just the beginning of the talkies. Al Jolson, the jazz singer, 1929, first talkie. The Texan is 1930, set somewhere in Southern California. I have to find out why. I have to go to this home. This home is no doubt up. No one would tear this home down. No one would. And I'm sure wherever this home was, wherever the set was, the home may have been a Hollywood set, but wherever the set is, I mean, that geographic location, it's still there. And I'll guarantee you it still looks that way. I'll get back to you on that. Picture number eight, because you're on the site, number nine. Picture eight, picture nine. That's Gary Cooper with his, well, one of his best friends, Ernest Hemingway. Picture 12. That's him and Ernest Hemingway. How, how can you pass on that bit of knowledge, huh? That Gary Cooper, the great American hero, was best friends with the great American novelist. Central to Hemingway's literature was always that interface between man and nature. Thus, Heming and the bullfights. Again, of course, you see, we understand today the bullfight as sadistic, masochistic. Go tell that to the Spanish, to the educated Spanish. You see, it's just like killing animals. You either do it like the American Indian, with extreme respect to the animal, or you do it like the slaughterhouses up on the five freeway. There's a world of difference in perspective. That's why Hemingway's literature was so beautiful, The Old Man in the Sea. An old man goes up against some giant fish, a marlin, and almost dies bringing it back, but succeeds. I believe he succeeds, if I remember. This is life as good as it gets. It's life in balance with nature. Meaning, man exerts his will to contain and control nature. No, we don't want to be overrun by the COVID virus. But man lives in context to nature. 
in context to nature simply means that he interfaces with it in daily experience, raw, unfiltered, unabridged nature. We have stopped doing that. We don't have backyards anymore. When we do, we take out the dirt and lay down the concrete. I see it all the time. You buy the house, you go into the yard, and you lay down nothing but concrete so you can have barbecue. I mean, sick stuff, man. Sick stuff. Real sick. Real sick. And our love affair with synthetics, putting up the places we live with synthetics, high-heated, non-energetic rock. How could we not feel the difference? How can we do that? How do we expect to sustain ourselves that way? And then clamoring and hawing and cooing about how we donate to, you know, save the whale funds. Because we care. I'm sorry, I don't find any other description of us other than pathetic for the most part. Perhaps well-intentioned people are good, fundamentally, but awfully dumb. How else am I supposed to look at that? What we're going through now could change tomorrow. Just communication between 200,000 people with enough guts to take a long walk up to Sacramento and demand the end. It would take a couple of hundred thousand. It would take less than that. But we're not doing it. And at this point, I don't really care. I mean, if I, I don't. If that many people are that dumb, let them suffer. If you're going to be that dumb, well, then maybe there's another perspective here. But for those of you who can hear, here's what you should do. Organize yourself to return to Eden. Some of us are leaving the cities. Many of us. And this trend will continue. I have clients who are buying homes and doing the right thing. They're building spas. They're cutting down on the size of the home and putting the money into the size of the acreage. This is a trend that's going to continue. And those of you who can't, well, then there's the ocean. Then there's relationship with the ocean. doesn't take that much to learn to kayak. It doesn't take that much to learn to... And you know, there's a point at which people will say, yes, but I can't even stand up. Well, I get that. You got to do what you can do on your level. But you see, this isn't um, common core. The Medici show is not common core. I don't teach to the most disabled. I teach to the most capable and ask everyone to do their best. And if that means a walk in the park, well, then that's what it means. Just be real about the return on your investment. A walk in the park is not like living in nature. It's not like picking up and moving to Patagonia. And I practice medicine that way. If you're really, really sick, I tell you to leave the country. If you live in San Pedro, if you live in Santa Monica, if you live in Long Beach, if you live in lots of places here other than a select few, I tell you to move. I tell you to move into nature. I think it's superfluous on the whole to think that yoga classes and massage sessions and nutritional herbs and all these things we once trusted are actually going to work. I think it's sort of 
idiotic. The discussion about what to do in that context when your house is burning down, you see? And I think I have the statistics to support my speculation that we have to reach deeper into what I call the vortexes of nature. Develop a water practice. Build a garden. If you have a garden, develop a bigger garden. Spend three hours a day in your garden in the early morning. If you have the money and it doesn't cost that much, build your own studio out of wood in your backyard. Dig a trench, a deep trench. Line it with what kind of natural rock you can. Or get yourself a wooden pool. There are barrels, large barrels, eight feet in diameter, eight feet high, that you can fill with icy water. Come out of your banya, jump into the barrel. Do something. They're all over these suggestions, my shows. Move to a place that has relationship with nature. How's Port Townsend, Washington? Oh, you don't like it. How's parts of Baja? How's up there between here and Santa Cruz? How's the eastern, excuse me, the western coast of Florida? How's the backwoods of Kentucky, of North Carolina, of South Carolina? There's places. There's places in Canada nobody wants to be. Oh, the winters are cold. Get warm. Buy the land, put up a yurt. Yurts are hot inside. You know, the Eskimo, if he knew what he was doing, in those cold, dark winters, could bring the temperature in the igloo up to 90 degrees. Oh, yeah. There's lots of solutions here, but we have to have relationship with nature, which most people don't want to do. Most people are scared of nature. Most people are not scared of toxic air, toxic water, toxic food, toxic shows, toxic news. That we're not scared of. But put somebody alone in the woods for a day or two, boy, they're going to shit down their leg. Think about that. Now we're going to take our children. You know, the children. Oh, the children. What are we going to do about the children? Screw the old. Let them die. They're old anyway. Old and ugly. Oh, no. Who said that? Not me. I didn't say screw the old. They're ugly and they're going to die. You see, we only care about the old when it's politically advantageous. The hypocrisy of that. Do you know the five states that had the highest number of elderly deaths with the five states whose governors, Cuomo, Murphy, these demons that refused to support the separation of the old infected from non-infected in the old age homes. The statistics are out there, and yet they were the ones that were first to shout, what about the elderly? We didn't do a damn thing for the elderly. Not a damn thing. And yet, what are we to think that people really believe these face masks are going to protect the elderly? That the elderly believe their face masks are going to protect the elderly? That we believe that the, of course, the experts, you see, the uninfluenced, objective, politically neutral experts, the non-funded experts, man, 
Were you born yesterday? Is that your problem? The experts are going to protect us. Wow. Did we have an American Revolution because we felt that King George III cared about us? Did we have that revolution because we cared that the English king cared about his colonies? Hmm? Ask yourself that. Oh, I know it doesn't matter. It was too long ago. And the Constitution and what America once was isn't important anymore. These are modern times. Things change. Wow. Just keep praying. It'll change. Don't worry. You don't have to pill a finger. Things are going to just change. You know? Because that old thing, God helps those who help themselves, well, doesn't apply here. Even Franklin told us, and I quote him, any society that would give up a little liberty to gain a little security will deserve neither and lose both. Where's the crowds? Where's the crowds to Sacramento? Can't we at least? I mean, we did that thing at Mother's last week, right? Two people got locked up, probably got right out, didn't make a bit of difference to Mother's. Suppose 500 people, 1,000 people signed a petition and said to Mother's, you don't rescind this garbage with the face masks. We're not coming in anymore. And then followed through on it. What would that mean? What would that mean? It would mean a lot of people who were dreaming would have to come to terms with the fact that just because you're around people without face masks doesn't mean you're at any more risk. That the risk is in places we're not looking. You see, if we stopped lying, we could start an intelligent narrative. All the things you hear me talk about on my shows consistently that you could do to protect yourself. And if one really was weak, really, really was weak, really was broke, really was vulnerable, whether you were over 75 or over 80, or you were around that age and sick, don't you think, had we not done it this way, don't you think, had our lawmakers cared, we could have imposed a tax, even on people that didn't want to pay it. For the vulnerable. Take your choice. We lock down the entire country or we simply set aside a little bit of money to make sure true resources, effective resources, were available for people who really needed them. You know what that would mean? That would mean he who delivers your food is regularly tested such that we could be assured they were negative. And the food transfer to the house on delivery to the elderly and infirmed who were really vulnerable was done in a way to grossly minimize transmission. And that would be for openers. I could think of a hundred things. I could do a show on it. It just would have taken money. Money we had, certainly, that now we're at about $30 trillion debt. The nation could have afforded to throw a few trillion dollars down with real educators on how to protect the elderly, none of whom were the kids. Great Britain's lost six kids to COVID, and that's maybe. And this notion that one kid's too many, that has to compete with a cost-benefit analysis. Why is one kid too many and thousands of people throwing themselves out windows, suicide rate scoring, horror, mayhem, molestation, 
every imaginable form of human pitience skyrocketing against one kid is too many. You see, this was cost-benefit. And this one kid is too many crap. It's just political propaganda. Propaganda by people who cared? Andrew Cuomo cared? He will never live down his refusal to help the elderly in old age homes. Never. And de Blasio, what is that? Is that even human? I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to leave you with a prediction. I'll say it now. I'll probably be saying it in 10 years. If we don't return to the vortexes of nature, if we don't demand discourse and that the facilities that allow discourse be sustained and expanded upon, everything from herbs to health foods to better farms to more fertile soil to the right to grow in your own backyard, which they're doing a great job, to the end of genetically engineered foods and so on and so forth. Within 10 to 20 years, there will not be an urban experience. We won't even have one. And I'll leave you thinking about that and thinking about the power of one. One. We all have enough in common to get together though on this. I know the show hits enough people. And I know there are more people. We don't have to be the majority. We can easily be an intelligent vocal minority. History shows you don't need that many. You just need the willing. And mountains can move. And as long as we do have a constitution and a vote, which right now we have sustained, we can still change all this. You have to think like this every day and act like it every day on the level you can. And if you can do nothing, at least do this. Watch the Texan tonight, 1930, Gary Cooper and Fay Ray. You'll get my point. If you're lost in the labyrinth of health, if you're confused, if you can't go anymore to your trusted institutions because you may end up dead, whatever your health concern is, 714-850-1007. I'm a fisherman. I fish for people who get it. If you get it, you should come see me. Find the dough. Make the appointment and get put on the path. Okay, God bless you. You have a great week. Bye-bye.